0: Hello and welcome back to the latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lenu. And this week we're getting in to a very new story. And it's Lisi's. It belongs to Lisi. It's her story. Before we get started, how is your week? Uh, I will say we are recording a week in advance. A happy Labor Day. Uh Everybody has had Labor Day weekend. We did not release an episode last week. No, we did not. uh, Because we didn't think that episode one followed by a one-week pause and then episode two made a whole lot of sense. Never didn't. So that is not what we did. So happy Labor Day, I guess. I hope everybody got a day off. I also hope that all of California is not actively on fire. How is your week, Or
1: how do you think your week will be? I, I don't I can only say of the week that I've had, and my weekend was really nice. Uh, I went with my roommates to go see live theater.: We did go see live theater.: We went to go we went to Orinda locally, and we saw a performance of three uh, spooky stories. There was: spooky. the Black Cat: The Black Cat. By Edgar Allan Poe. It was introduced by Edgar Allan Poe. Um, and there was the, um, the monkey's paw monkey's by Jacobs, Paw. and an adaptation of The Open Window. Open Window. It had a dog in it. It had a dog in it. And um, a brat.
0: A dog yes. and a brat.
1: And I was very, very happy with the performance of the young girl who paid the brat <laughs> because it really, the entire story hinges on how she can remain sort of not maliciously mischievous. And I think that she kind of nailed that. Like no. Although I'm pretty sure she gave that due to heart attack. But well, possibly. But it's a, it was a it was really fun. It was going out to dinner and We went um, out to dinner,
0: which having was a drink. stressful and we had a drink. I didn't have a drink, you right. had a drink. But yes, Ryan Absinthe. Mm. It was, was
1: delicious. Yes. I had a tiny seep because I
0: was the designated driver. Right.
1: But yeah, it was it was a really lovely evening, and it was nice to be out. And uh, it was an open-air theater. It was
0: a little amphitheater in the community right. uh,
1: center in Orinda. And uh, there were stars up in the sky, and there was... Uh, a little
0: puppy was, right. in, the, was in the audience
1: who, with us. Who was reacting to the sound effects.
0: Yes, um, they did not like the cat screeching. It made them very un- 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 right. un- unnerved.
1: But yeah, it was it was a really fun evening. So it was it was great to get out. It was great to see things again. It was great to be a part of. You forget how much you like those things until you theater. The every time the, we go,
0: we're like, we got to do this more.
1: Yeah,
0: and then a year later, we go again, and we go, hey, wait well, a minute, I we I made like a this. I
1: with you at one point. I got you and my girlfriend at the time. And one of our mutual friends, and we went to see David Mamet's play The Cryptogram.
0: I hated it?
1: Yes. I hated it. That 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 wasn't a question.
0: That was a statement. I I did, in fact, hate it.
1: The only person who enjoyed it, and, yeah, everyone else sort of was very disappointed. It it would have been nice
0: if it had um, an ending.
1: It would be nice if it made any sense, I'm sure.
0: Well, an ending.
1: So next time we'll go to see Beckett, and then you'll be even more disappointed. Um, I was
0: just going to see who the CCCT Contra Costa Civic Theater because um, we had had a we had had season tickets to that right. previously. Uh, they are currently um, about to put on Our Town. Oh, by one Thornton
1: Wilder, which is a Thornton. play that I actually did a reading for. I didn't; none of the parts suited me, but I did it anyhow. I really like reading Hamlet. Jam your way in there. Yeah. Chap, chap. So, how was your week or weekend, or
0: your good? My upcoming weekend will involve a trip, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons that we are uh, uh, we had a baby hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, so good. I am concerned about um, everyone in every state, and it is stressing me out. So, I'm mm-hmm. trying not to take part in the news. Um, I worry about hurricanes and fires and pandemics. Oh my! Yes. So there's that. This is still a lot of stress. Uh hopefully this weekend or last weekend I will have had delicious Cuban food and some good ice cream. So maybe yeah. that'll put the gabosh on some of my stress, but probably not. We'll see. We'll see. Um But yeah, you wanna get into this Absolutely. new story?
1: It's so really refreshing.
0: We are watching a uh-huh. mini series that is an Apple TV original. Uh, it is entitled Lisey's Story, based on the novel of the same name, published in 2006 by Stephen King. The series in its entirety, the teleplay, was written by Stephen King,
1: mm. and
0: the entirety of the uh, miniseries is directed by Pablo Lorraine, who uh, is a uh, South American, uh, Chilean, excuse mm. me, specifically, uh, filmmaker, who is also going to be the director, or is the director, to the new Spencer movie about Diana, Princess, oh, no. Princess Diana, uh, which is causing a splash with a American being cast in said... Uh, Role, uh, but so that is Pablo Larraín. So he is directing all of these. There are eight episodes in number. Mm. We will be watching them one at a time. Yes, which is good because not very much happens in this. But it it's uh, very timey wimey, and also sometimes it's a memory, and sometimes it's a dream, and sometimes it's a memory of a dream, and um, we have um, some. Not surrealism,
1: Uh, magical realism. Yeah, they refer to it in the story as magical surrealism, but I think it's meant as a joke. I believe that it is. Uh, So
0: we'll start with, we watched episode one. Well, let me give you the one sentence overview of the entirety of the series, which is, a widow becomes the object of a dangerous stalker obsessed with her husband's work. Now, that's partially true, the stalker is um, an aimed weapon, though, and uh, and that is that is left mm. out from that little little sentence. So we watched Bull Hunt. It was about fifty minutes long. It was originally released June fourth, two thousand and twenty-one. That is less than two months ago wow. <laughs> at this point. Uh, so We're catching
1: up with ourselves. We are. We are
0: indeed. Uh, Well, no, three months ago, I guess, Mm -hmm. because we're at the end of August, and I forgot all of August when I was doing my (laughs) math. So, uh, yes, but it is, it was momentarily ago. So, this uh, stars a trio of powerful women, we see a trio of powerful women in this very first Mm -hmm. one, Uh, that would be Julianne Moore as Lizzie Landon, Lisey Landon. And she has two sisters, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee playing Darla and Joan Allen playing Amanda. Mm. And this is going to be tricky because we there are many scenes in this where we're like, um, is this happening? Is this happening? It's, I think it was happening mm. and now we've moved into this is not actually happening. Also, this might be a dream.
1: So so. I know that I've raised this question with you before. Yes. But are you happy with this kind of storytelling where you're not quite sure what's going on? Because it was lo- the same feeling I had with this stand where I would really have loved if they'd been linear because there were so many characters.
0: I don't mind this, mm-hmm. and I don't mind it generally, when I believe that the filmmakers know what where, they're going, where yeah. they are okay. at each time and what they're trying to communicate to me, which I did not always feel like was the case with The Stand. In The Stand, it felt a little bit like it was edited uh-huh. into this format, rather than it having being, been writ- written, directed, and acted mm. to be in this format, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, so here, it does feel deliberate. Right. Um, and it I think it feels deliberate... I did read this book. I don't have a a strong recollection of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, for all intents and purposes, we're going to go ahead and start from scratch. Although when something happened in this, I was like, "Oh, right! I Mm -hmm. remember something about where we might be going."
1: Recollections of right.
0: We see Julianne Moore, and she is sad, and she is in a pool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then, also, she's not in a pool. She's in the lake. In a lake. But then also, she's asleep. So all of those things are both true and well, not also true. true, and this, not is,
1: true. I mean, this is what it reminded me of. I think that there was a period of linear filmmaking and then like Terrence Malick broke through to people. Mm. And his kind of strange, his way of presenting a film, have you yeah. ever seen Tree of Life or the Thin? I have Any not seen the films, Terrence Malick film You're not at all. quite watching it in order and eventually you put together the film. Right. Um, and that's sort of what it felt like because I felt. Which like I think uh, Richard
0: Wright, is that Richard Wright, uh, the dude that did Donnie Darko, and yes. specifically mm-hmm. did tried to do this in Southland Tales. Right, and it just it was too, in Southland Tales lyrics. it did not work. He he got ahead of himself. Right, or like when he was running downhill, his his feet couldn't keep up with his head, right, and he exactly.
1: just tripped over. But, but yeah, it's the. We had that sort of feeling. Also, that's kind of a compliment, because Terence Malik has really beautiful yeah. cinematography in his films. And it, this film, this uh, hour, was stunning. This
0: was. It was very beautiful to watch. Everybody mm-hmm. in this is right. very good. And, like, I didn't even recognize Joan Allen. Mm-hmm. So, we should say, um, we should start with Lisa Lisi mm-hmm. Landon. Okay. Is a widow. Her husband was Scott Landon, mm-hmm. uh, a Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist of, um. Basically, it is magical realism. He blends fantasy and reality mm-hmm. in his writing, which means that by all rights, he should be, um, Chilean. a Spanish man,
1: <laughs> <laughs> a man who speaks which Spanish. Interesting that as a. A Chilean director, Yes. and this harkens back to Isabel Allende's enormous influence of magic realism and her representation of Chilean culture with it. It's, oh, I see, know.
0: I didn't even think about Isabel Allende yeah. because my my go-to for magical realism mm-hmm. is Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Right. But, um, now, realistically, though, I believe Hiroyuki Murakami could uh-huh. also be considered yeah. like a pioneer of magical realism, and he is not a Spanish-speaking person.
1: Marquez or Borges,
0: I think. But, it's a, and yeah. also not Spanish, Portuguese, or...
1: I believe, oh my gosh. I'm going to mess it up.
0: Born in Argentina. Argentina.
1: Argentina, and it's not specifically a Latin American concept. Or it concert. isn't, but it feels like... It is used very well by Latin American The culture
0: of Latin American... Latin American culture,
1: Latin Amer-
0: Latin American culture mm-hmm. um, makes magical realism a comfortable uh, place. Right for them to go. It's not fantasy, like China Mieville. It's a different thing. And and magical realism is a thing that um, I've read very little of, actually, and don't have a strong f- understanding of. Um, but I do know that it is almost exclusively not uh, relegated, I will say, oh. to genre.
1: Right.
0: It is it is literature. it is Look. always put in the Look. straight fiction sections uh it is always nominated for awards like like the good like the big awards, like the national book awards, the type awards pulitzer well, prize awards It's awards.
1: unfair to you because it's saying literature fantasy literature is not literature except when it's done by. Borges, Marquez, and in this case, okay. when you look at it, it's interesting you brought up comedy is considered magical realism, mm-hmm. as it is at times Salman Rushdie mm-hmm. and Neil Gaiman.
0: Absolutely. Okay. See, I, is Neil Gaiman, or did he gets relegated, uh, shunted right over to fantasy because right. he's a white dude who's dabbling?
1: And also uh, Toni Morrison, apparently. Tony but Morrison, I could, I, I could realism. actually
0: see magical realism in Toni uh, right. Morrison's
1: work for sure. Sula, too. Yeah.
0: Um,.
1: But but *Beloved* is is a story about a ghost, and it ends with an exorcism. It's yeah, has all sorts of elements to it, but it's considered literature. Yes,
0: and so so. Well, let me let's do this. Okay. Let me. Magic realism, also known as magical realism or marvelous realism, is a twentieth-century style of fiction and a literary genre influenced by an eponymous German painting style in the nineteen twenties, which I did not know about. As a literary fiction style, magic realism paints a realistic view of the modern world while adding magical elements. So really something like the magicians Mm -hmm. could also be considered magical realism. Or really anything like an Alice in Wonderland. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: She's in our world until she... Is right, ins- I,
1: I think the suggestion with magical realism is it's much more a part of our world, as if right you are. And it's funny because then if you open the definition up that much, there's some of H.G. Wells things, or you know, I'm um, good with it. <laughs> the, <No. laughs> the final books in the Harry Potter series start taking place in our world and their world,
0: and maybe be, okay. So then it says mm-hmm. uh, often associated with Latin American literature, including founders of the genre, particularly the author- authors. Uh, Maria Luisa Bombay, Mm -hmm. Gabriel Garcia Marquez, Isabel Allende, uh, Jorge Luis Borges, Juan uh, Rufo, Rufo, I think that says, Miguel Angel Astorias, Elena Garro, I can't roll my R's today, uh, etc., 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 Chief exponents include Salman Rushdie, Alice Hoffman, mm, so. uh, Nick Joaquin, and, and Nicola Bar- uh, Barker. Uh, and then there is se- there are several Bengali
1: mm-hmm.
0: authors, um, which I'm not even going to try. Japanese literature, one of the most important authors is Haruki Murakami. And in Polish, Olga... Uh, nope, I'm so sorry. She won the Nobel Prize in literature in 2018 and you can go ahead and look her up with the last name that I did not want to murder. I am I, so sorry.
1: <laughs> I wonder if, um, if some of Thomas Pynchon's weird stuff could be considered magical That realism.
0: feels right to me.
1: Because something like V is so weird and, yeah, it, it it is taking place during an actual place, an actual time, and there's actual people in the background, historical figures. Yes. And then there's these ridiculous things happening in the foreground that are sort of amusing and funny, although talk about a guy who doesn't know how to end a book. <laughs> Not just Stephen King. Uh
0: there's also okay, so there's also um uh, the term I have a problem with this term i'm going to straight up and say i don't like it to begin with
1: mm-hmm.
0: hysterical realism uh which was is coined by in two thousand by an English critic mm-hmm. to describe a literary genre typified by a st- strong contrast between elaborately absurd prose, plotting or characterization on one hand and careful detailed investigation of real specific social phenomena on the other and he ties. Pynchon, uh, F- uh, David Foster Wallace, Don DeLillo, who came mm-hmm. into my head as well, Dave Eggers, Zadie Smith, Jonathan Franzen, Jeffrey Eugenides, into this thing. And they also call it American realism, which uh, feels
1: just ethnocentric
0: to well, me. Like, we're not, we're Americans, so we can't be doing South that South Americans
1: America. are Americans ah, It's weird well. that that's true, yes. And so they're also Americans, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, um... Also, hysterical seems really misogynist. Hysterical to the seems
0: extraordinarily misogynist, especially. Give uh, 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 weirdly, there's only two women on mm-hmm. the list of works. Otherwise, it's Thomas Pynchon, Salman Rushdie, David right. Foster Wallace, Don DeLillo, Thomas Pynchon again, Rushdie again. Zadie Smith is a woman mm. uh and Alexander Kleeman is a woman, but everybody else on this list is a dude. It's
1: just very strange. So
0: But we shouldn't be I um, don't like the word hysterical. Yeah, the word no, hysterical no, no, is a problem. Because hysterical so.
1: is, is is a direct yes, um absolutely reference it's, to really awful stuff.
0: Yeah. So so this um this author in this mm. this story, yes. Clive Owen, plays Scott Landon, who was a Proponent of magical mm. realism, and was also in circles said to be the 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 writer of the great American novel. Like mm-hmm. he is the quintessential American yeah. writer. He has won a Pulitzer Prize. He is a very famous, very well um, regarded author. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is dead. He has been dead at as the, at the beginning of our story for two years. You think you know why he is dead through the the, uh, right. the telling of this episode, but no.
1: <laughs> well, that's it. I think there's a neat kind of setup here to where you have this false expectation because you see an assassination attempt on him, mm-hmm. and you think that is the reason why... Right.
0: We know she right. is in mourning. Right. We know explicitly, uh, because he, she has a phone call with her sister, mm-hmm. she... At the beginning of this episode in the in the events of now, uh Lizzie is supposed to be having lunch with her sisters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh Darla was going to pick up lunch and uh be on her way. Right. And Lizzie was already supposed to be there, but she had fallen asleep, which is when we see her waking up mm-hmm. in Scott's study after we thought she was swimming.
1: Or lying in a bank, or in, lying the reeds, at a bank so, in the reeds, right? Yes. So,
0: but it's uh, she's also being chased in the woods by something. Mm-hmm. So, what's when is unclear because right. she could have been swimming that morning. It's all sort of dreamy and mushed together. Uh, but what is supposed to have happened was the two sisters were going to see Amanda and have lunch with her. Mm-hmm. Neither of them has has gotten there, and Amanda is having an episode. Right. Amanda, uh, is a person who self harms. So, you know, content warning for cutting and self harm, mm-hmm. self-interest behavior, uh, in this. And, uh, we see her sort of baby talking to Lisey after Lisey apologizes for not being there yet saying she just fell asleep. And, um, Amanda says, you fell asleep in a study because he's not dead for you, even after two years. And she she says, yes. And then she says, did you hear about, and I didn't catch the name, but a man that she had been dating has married Mm -hmm. another woman, who she was seeing, who who he was seeing along, the whole time apparently that he was seeing her. And she breaks her cup, her teacup Mm -hmm. and saucer into pieces, and beats her hands into the broken shards. Right. Um, and Lisey yells, is trying to yell and, and get her attention, because she's still on the phone with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but Amanda is not responding, at which point Lisey calls her other sister, Darla, who is driving, and says, "She's. I think she's doing it again. Forget the food, just get over mm-hmm. there. Uh, and then we see both of the sisters there. Uh, Amanda is Basically catatonic. They clean her up. They get her upstairs. Lisi says that she will stay. Darla will go. They will take her to the emergency room the next day if they can't get her to snap out of this. Right. And they talk about how the last time this happened. So this is a an ongoing issue that mm-hmm. Amanda has. Oh, and as uh, Lisi is driving over, we also see her engaged in some self-harm behavior she beats her head against the window of her car Mm -hmm. and i'm like so these women had a fucked up childhood because this doesn't come from nowhere and if it's all of them or at least two of them and i could see jennifer jason lee lighting some flame and doing some you know what I mean? Like, Mostly she's a she's a badass. It's and all, I hate. here
1: lighting a flame to somebody else. Maybe, <laughs> yes. but uh, she might have moved past self harm into actually harming others. So,
0: yes. So we see. Um, so Lisi says, "I will stay. Come back tomorrow, but mm-hmm. I'll stay with her. It's my turn." Uh, before Lisi had gotten there, though, as she is trying to, as she has called her sister and is trying to hurry to her other sister's home because mm-hmm. she believes she's in trouble. She is stopped in her driveway yes. by a man. A man. That man is uh, that Mr. Dashmiel, Dr. Professor Dashmiel, Roger Dashmeel, played by Ron Cephas Jones, who's awesome, mm. but in this is an asshole. He stops his car at the end of her drive and uh, does not let her out, so she has to come out and confront him. And they have a confrontation wherein he apparently reiterates his plea to get to Scott Landon's unpublished papers and works and her her uh, hearty go fuck yourself. Sure. <laughs> so she now does this comes, not... this
1: doesn't come from nowhere. He's pushing in ways that are completely inappropriate. Yes.
0: This is clearly a thing that's been ongoing mm-hmm. since his death. Yeah. probably. In the flashbacks to the assassination attempt, we mm-hmm. see that he is introducing Scott Landon. Scott goes up to speak. We see Lisey in the crowd, and she sees a young man. She tries to get Scott at, He's breaking ground on a library, right. is what he is doing. And, um... As that that comes to a close, we hear her yell, Scott, Scott he's got a gun. Mm-hmm. And this young man holds up a, his gun and shoots Scott in the chest once, and Scott puts up his hand, right. and he shoots him through the palm of his hand, and then he collapses. Um, at which point, and, and we see this in bits and pieces, we see this over about three or four different flashbacks. Uh-huh. And and we see a little bit sort of more and forward in the timeline each time. Right Uh but what does end up happening is that little, um, you know, the the big trowel that they do, that they, they mm-hmm. have a silver shovel for the groundbreaking yeah. that's not, I mean, it's a shovel, but it's not what anybody's going to use to actually dig a foundation yeah, for this building. This it's a ceremonial shovel. shovel. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisey picks up that shovel and hits the assassin across the face with it, opens right. his cheek up. It's? rough and then goes to her husband's side.
1: I liked how how um primal her reaction is. Yes. Because quite often we see people like when we're watching uh, for different reasons, and it's understandable in the context of those characters. Yes. But when we we're watching uh, the outsider. Yes. Someone whips out a gun in public, everyone runs in opposite directions, yeah. except for the cops who kind of wind up getting in the middle of it. Right. In this one, and we see it all through the episode their relationship is a pair bond, these two. Yeah, it is. And the fact that she has to go on without this other half. Yeah. So her reaction to when he's assaulted instead of running away and being scared is to pick up this shovel and and whack this this guy in the face with it. Meanwhile, and that's also why Mr. Dashmill...
0: So that's the other thing is... um, well, Well, let's get to the confrontation in the driveway. Right. She says... You came back, and we see um, newspaper clips mm-hmm. uh, to get the glory, and he's known as the one who saved the right. author Scott Landon's life. We don't see him running in the flashbacks, mm-hmm. but we don't see him standing in front of Scott, and he right. certainly didn't pick up a shovel. Didn't take out the assault She's like, I think you ran, mm-hmm. and then came back for the publicity. Right. And he says... You were nothing but a hostess until he found you, yeah. and you have no no right to his works now. What that makes us think is, they'd been married for a very short period of time. Right. He was well famous by the when they got married. Yeah. She is a hanger on and nothing more. She has no uh, knowledge or understanding of the work that he actually did. She's you know secondary in all ways. Now she. Uh, takes great offense at this, does tell him to go fuck the hell off, says, you're not going to get his papers, you're never going to get his papers, Mm -hmm. get off my property, I will be calling the police, so you better be gone by the time they're there, and she says, get out of my way, and she drives around his car, and then when she gets to the other side of it, she does put it in reverse, and back into his bumper fucking the back of his car up, which, it was a very, um, fried bean tomatoes, Mm -hmm. I'm older, and I have more insurance. It was say she's got a big SUV. Mm-hmm. That bumper was not injured in any way. Uh, and his car was quite fucked up.
1: And his response is to do what? Well, we'll get there. Mm.
0: So she goes to take care of her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, As I said, Amanda is basically in a catatonic state. Uh, she does end up asking for cocoa. And then we see a flashback between Amanda, Joan Allen, Mm -hmm. and Clive Owen, Scott Landon, when he was still alive. And Amanda is in a very similar catatonic state. They're sitting at a table together, and he says, this has to just be between us. And then he leans in, and it looks like he kisses her. But it becomes very apparent very quickly that he is not kissing her He is, and and you guys, thought you were like, it's like John Coffey, he's sucking something out of her, Mm -hmm. and I was like, no, 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 he is pushing something into her. Water flows from him to her, and later we hear her say, um, it was the coolest water I've ever had in my life. It was from the pool in Bayou or Booyah. It's a, it's a it's a made-up right. phrase for this. And I, I can't remember. It's Booyah Main or something like that. Or mm-hmm. some, something like that. And, um, and it, you know, it fixed me up and this, that, and the other. And, mm-hmm. and then she says, and then he tells her we need to have a conversation about Lisi. We don't know what that conversation is yet. Right um but we do find out that then then there was this third part uh that Lisi finds she's before she has left home it, So this is the thing it jumps all over the place there's right. six scenes of her waking up and being in the office this morning but they are mm-hmm. spread throughout an yeah. hour of television she sees the shovel and when she sees the shovel that's when we get the flashback of her hitting the the a across mm-hmm. the face. And then she sees a tag, and it says, you're going on a bull hunt. Remember, this episode is called Bull Hunt. And then it says, Dr. Dr. Mr. M.D. That's what it says. Uh-huh. And I said something like, I've got a fever of 103. That's from a song, right? right. Like, I, I, I recognize that as from the song. Uh, but she sort of sh- shakes it off. But then Amanda sitting in bed when he, she brings her the cocoa says he gave me the coolest water and now you're on a bull hunt. Like he, she says, I know about it. It's, you have to, you have to do it. Like right. it's important and you have to do it. Uh, and then she, they end up falling asleep. They fall asleep together. And, um, at least he wakes up in the middle of the night and can't find Amanda we, there's a couple of scenes where she walks into different places, but then she walks in and finds Amanda sitting in the tub and they're unable to get her out of the tub. Yeah. At which point she is reflects on the bull hunt that her sister has reminded her of and the note that she just saw. So she goes to her sister's address book mm. and looks up doctor, Mr. MD, right? Yeah. And it, she calls the number that's written there in Scott's name in Scott's handwriting and it is a doctor of a psychological like a like a home
1: mm-hmm.
0: like a facility uh, and he says you know three years ago your sister had a similar um, break and he was afraid it was going to happen again and so he you know, set up, it, basically, I have a space for her, I have so a space the for trust your sister,
1: that was to
0: and then she says, them. that's great, because they can't get her out of the tub, they're right. like, we don't, we, we we don't know what to do here, yeah. and he says, you know, we'll come and get her, and we'll take care of her, and you don't have to worry about anything, and she says, okay, we'll put me through to your accounts department, and mm-hmm. he's like, it's paid for yeah. Scotland and pay for everything, and I would just be happy to help out my favorite writer and his family, basically. Mm-hmm. And and he must have loved her a lot. And she says he loved both of my sisters a lot. So I'm sure that's going to come up again. And uh, we get some flashback, more flashback to the day of the shooting, where Lisey was uh, ushered through the hospital, and they say, you know, he's. Probably going to be okay. I don't make promises, but he's in critical condition now. You shouldn't think that you're going to be able to speak to him because he's still on oxygen. Mm. She's like, you'd be surprised Landon's are fast healers. And the nurse leaves her in the room, and he's not in the bed. The water is running in the bathroom. He's not in the bed. She goes to look in the bathroom. He's not there. She looks back, and he is, in fact, in the bed. Mm. She goes over to him. And he is awake, and he is talking. And he's like, you know, we're landing fast healers. And she's like, yeah, I know. They hold up his hand, and where we have now seen a bullet go through his hand like three times because they show the the flashback flashback, over and over again. There is a a little scar on the back of his hand, but no other Hmm. damage there. So, yeah. Fast healer is one one way to put it. Let me think about how there's there's two more pieces. Uh, Let's start with she then has a dream after she's well, because then, okay, so the doctor is in the the address book. After she calls the doctor, the next line in the address book is the next clue is Bool, I -hmm. think it says. And because the, the Dr. Doctor, Dr. Doctor, Mr. M.D. said first clue, your first clue is right. this. And then this is her second clue. And she has a dream. She's walking on the beach and it turns out it's she's. And, and he appears walking with her and they see their own wedding. Yeah. Peter Sklari plays her father. <laughs> And uh, Amanda is there looking much better than she does now. Mm. Darla is there looking surly. I don't know what Darla's issue is. Uh, that song, Dr. Dr. Mr. MD, is playing, and it's written on the uh, on the beach as right. well. Uh, and we hear her dad's toast. And we come back to this scene, I think, three times. So it's very much like the shooting memory mm. where it's a say four minutes of of film right. that we see the first two minutes then the second two minutes then the third two minutes then the fourth two minutes it's kind of the same way it with this extended
1: over a period of time, period of right? Of time yeah.
0: right and so we're getting fed this information and uh dad's giving a toast saying that he Doesn't think that this man is good enough for his daughter yet, but might be someday. She says he's an excellent writer and he's got a book deal, which means
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that she has been with him the entirety of his career, Uh, not some fly by night, Mm -hmm. you know, woman who came in at the back end and, and, and attached herself to, you know, a rich and famous author. She's been with him since before he was published. Which uh, makes me just want to punch Ron Seavish Jones right in his
1: stupid face. Well, yeah, because it's a, the, he's giving the impression that she was nothing more than a hanger-on or, yep. if you'll excuse the like, term, a starfucker. Yep. Which is what we used to call and them, and, and that that right. theme is going to continue. Right. Through, in- through instead, it turns out that she was a muse. She's, yes. And she actually pushed him towards... Uh, Making decisions. Or supported him
0: in in that. Yeah. Um, We will say, we do hear things about Scott Landon, and and we do see a little bit in the flashbacks of he says, I have visions and people pay to read them.
1: And Mm. he's like, she's like, well, that's what a writer is. But he seems a little bit more. No, he's convinced that what he's seeing is not something from inside of his head that he knows that he's imagined, rather something that has an objective reality. And from what we saw in his sister's memory. Yeah. It looks like there's... There's
0: a little bit of a magic. He has a little a, bit of a
1: magic. A flash to him apparently introducing Lisi to this sort of other world because they're at one of the flashbacks, very briefly, looking at a creature in the woods.
0: Yes, it's unclear whether mm. or not right. that was a shared dream. We, we
1: still don't know about this but creature in the, to the woods. But he be telling her not to be afraid of it.
0: Yes. And we also hear Amanda is it Amanda or Darla, one of the sisters say, mm-hmm. Scott Landon, nobody could disappear like Scott Landon. Mm-hmm. Like, he would just literally poof and right. then just reappear later, and you're like, how did you leave? Yeah. Which gave me vibes of, like, the time traveler's wife.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Where he would just disappear and then right. reappear. Uh, so, that is... So So then, that, that we get this this idea that she's been with him for a very long time, since the beginning, is not a hanger-on, is not a latecomer, Mm -hmm. you know, does deserve to have a say in her husband's estate. Now, to Dashmiel and Jim, we hear a phone conversation between Professor Dashmiel and a young man named Jim Dooley. This is played by Dane DeHaan. Mm -hmm. He is looking very greasy and very creepy. He He looks like he hasn't slept in seven to ten days. Mm -hmm. Uh, He does have incel language, right? Um, He is speaking to the professor and the professor is basically sicking him on Lisi. He's like, I can't pay you, but you have to get those papers. Mm. She doesn't understand what she has. This there could be unpublished manuscripts and she's sitting on them like a broody hen. Which Yeah. Uh, also, if there were unpublished manuscripts, who makes that money? Mm. She does. Right, exactly. But he The professor is a bit of a sycophant. Jim Dooley is one hundred percent a sycophant. He's like, I don't need money. He literally says Landon is life. Mm-hmm. He is complete he's a complete devotee to Scott Landon and his work. And is obsessed. Right. Uh we do then see him at the library that he they had broken the ground at those two years previously. And the librarian comes over to him, and Jim is sitting in the children's section reading a book called Charlie the Choo-Choo, which is 100% a Stephen King thing. Mm.
1: Uh,
0: Charlie the Choo-Choo is a character in The Dark Tower. Oh, okay. And that book is by Stephen King. That hardcover book that we see is a Stephen King children's book. Wow. It's written, it's published under a pseudonym. The pseudonym is Beryl Evans, Beryl Evans. But it is a pseudonym that Stephen King Mm. adapted or adopted specifically for this book. So Scott Landon is very, very much a uh, Stephen King um, stand in. Also, he's an author who lives in Maine. And I would argue that some of Stephen King's work is magical realism, specifically like Dark Tower stuff.
1: Right.
0: Uh, So, you know, of course, it's a big duh to say Scott Landon is Stephen King, but also... Mm -hmm. uh, But Jim Dooley is there, and he's reading Charlie the Choo-Choo because it is Scott Landon's favorite book when he was growing up. It was the first book that he read as a kid or something. And he says, he's telling the librarian that they need to, like, make a special case for this book. Yeah. He's
1: very scary. This librarian is like, okay. I would hate to be the person left alone in the library, and this is the person they have to clear out. It's really rough. And then, you know,
0: he asks if she, if she, if the librarian knew Scott, and she's like, I mean, enough to say hello, but... Um, mostly i know lisa or lisa his really? wife you know it was I, he tries to, she tries to say the money came from her and he's like no the money came from scott everything came from scott like it's one of those things and i'm like oh tabitha i hear you i hear you ma'am uh and uh he does finally leave without throwing too much of a tantrum he does yeah. destroy like throw some books on the ground and Put well, Charlie that the Choo Choo right? in a space, yeah, special yeah. space, and then we see him call Lisi via the last phone booth in the country and <laughs> threaten her. Basically, he's basically like, you know, give your books to Professor Dashmill,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or I'm gonna fucking kill you. Basically, is what it is. Uh, you're going to give them to him, or you're going to give them to me, and I'm going to give them to him. One of those two things is going to happen. And she's like, eat a pile of dicks. And I'm just like, you need to hire security immediately, Mm. because this person calls the landline in your home, which means they have more access to you. And you know Dashmill knows where you live. He was literally here yesterday or whatever. Uh, And... That's basically where we leave it. He has threatened her. She has said, you know, go fuck yourself. And in has many words. I believe those are the yeah. f- one of, like, that is a phrase that she says to him. Uh, and then now it's going to be what happens next. Probably nothing good with J- Jim Dooley over
1: here. Bad dude. I just wonder if there's any relationship between Jim Dooley and Tom Dooley. I don't know that's uh I wonder if Stephen King had that connection in his head since it seems like the kind of odd thing that he would put together. I mean very
0: possibly uh, we can look it up uh but this yeah, so this whole thing is told very much in a dream. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to recap because we are seeing things that are probably memories but possibly dreams
1: things out of sequence um. Um,
0: yes things out of sequence or things in sequence but then we go back to him and right. we see the rest of the story we pull out and see more of it but sums up with Scott we, d- we also don't know how he died no yeah. he's been dead for two years yeah. he it wasn't from being shot so <laughs> who knows what that's about uh Amanda is in an asylum. Uh, Darla is you know just a she seems like just a rough and tumble badass uh we uh I will say it does appear that it's possible that julianne moore's um costumes for this are Scott's clothes right we see her in a very oversized sweaters and shirt, button down shirts, and like corduroy pants. Mm-hmm. Like she's not in any way dolled up. <laughs> and I was, I'm wondering if he She is wearing his would, clothes. I,
1: I felt that when you brought it up the time. I thought that would be a really interesting choice to go with. Yeah. Mind you, Julianne Moore is still striking no matter what she's well, doing. Sure she is, yeah. And I made a joke that she was rocking the Little Rascals kind of chic. Because she is wearing these sort of oversized yes. baggy clothes. And then you brought up, well, that probably is her husband's clothes. And she's playing it at this pitch. Um, I remember listening to an actor talk about... Um, so um, I remember reading a commentary about the the television show, The Incredible Hulk, and how Bill Bixby brought in this... Innate sadness into his performance every single day, mm-hmm. and there were tragic circumstances in his life about midway through the show. But from the very beginning, playing a character who'd lost his his uh, wife in a car fire, yeah, and she's trapped and he can't get her out, so that begins his experimentation with uh, hyperhumanness. Um, for the TV show, he somehow tapped into this carrying around pain all the time. And it was a physical performance. You could see it in his posture and his body language. And I get that feeling here where Julianne Moore is doing a great job of looking as if she's bearing it inside of her and she can't quite do it. There's one very brief image of her looking as if she's trying to scream and all that comes out is a sort of hiss. And she's walking along, and she's trying to produce it. Like, she's trying to eject something yes. from her. And that image in itself stayed with me. Um Because it's like she's trying to get something out of her, and she can't. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't know how an actor, or actress, does this. Mm. Is able to just show up, just be in pain from moment one to moment, from the first moment, the last moment of the episode, you're Mm -hmm. just going to be in this position where it's all kind of you struggling to find a reason to go on. Yeah, And all of them are giving just these amazing performances. Really, really
0: good performances so far. It's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. The music is really good. So far, I'm pretty pleased with the writing. Good job, Stephen King. Good job, Stephen King.
1: Yeah, He's been around the block. He's done this once or twice before.
0: Yeah, I like that he's doing all of this But, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a a bit of a rough watch on ter- in terms of just the way that they are speaking to mm-hmm. her.
1: Right.
0: Everyone just presuming that she's just, you know, the vagina that he liked and right. and there's nothing else to her is, like, so deeply gross. I'm like, you don't have any faith in this man who you... Mm-hmm. You you portray as your
1: god basically. Quite frequently the case though is that you see with authors and things um, that it sort of only goes one way and the adoration and respect only goes so far as that person's work. Yeah. And it's as if to say that whatever their surroundings were, whatever their relationship was, that it played no part in it, which is ridiculous. Yeah. As a person, because you're a writer too, so am I. We both the experience of just our friendship enlightens things that we do. Yes. Um, so, just even on that very pri- uh, yeah. sort but of But we also level.
0: see a couple of scenes between Lucy and Scott mm-hmm. where it is clear that he loved her. Right. And what is he, he there's, a, there's a line where it's something like I've never had anything. Mm-hmm. I had these visions, and now I have these visions, and I have you. Like it's, it's that, it's that. Like she's it in the world for him, and so it's just to have her then just be relegated to the piece of tail that kept him. You know.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's just it's but it's not unrealistic.
0: No, it isn't. We've seen it, but it's just it's exhausting, Mm. and it's. I have a feeling that it's. Only going to get worse because yeah. the, the, you know, the antagonist of this whole thing is the Dane DeHaan character. Is right. the Jim Doohan well, character?
1: I, I'm not sure if it's exclusively him or it's also uh, Dashmail.
0: Well, it is Dashmail. Well, investigates
1: and puts everything into it him. is. Right. But
0: I'm telling you mm. that the one doing the work. Right. Uh, and, and and we can tell this just by looking at the cast list. Mm. The main cast includes Dane DeHaan. The
1: recurring
0: cast includes right. Ron Severs-Jones. So to be a constant presence. No. Mm. So, uh, yeah. So next week, um, we're going to watch Blood Bowl. Seems bad.
1: Yeah, no. It sounds like something I don't want to eat. Until then, do you have anything that you'd like to recommend? Unfortunately, no. I've actually been doing a lot of more long-term stuff on Netflix. Mm. Um, And also on other streaming services. So I'm in the middle of things, and I don't know which direction they're going, so i am going to reserve judgment until I actually see the end of it, because I had such an experience with another uh, television program recently where I thought I knew what was going on, and then halfway through, I'm like, I have no idea what the hell this is about. And then it took a turn that I found really interesting.
0: Oh, good. So it went a good way for you. Right.
1: And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it just sort of, uh, I recently watched a program, a Netflix supernaturally themed program about a young woman who joins a secret society. And as beautiful as the presentation was.
0: What show was this?
1: Aries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as beautiful as the presentation was, it did exactly what I thought it was going to do oh, okay. and there were it was really well done and it was very well acted, but there was absolutely no surprises for me. It's like, oh okay, well, in this case, I've seen it before, and right. even though it was really well done, it just is kind of of a piece with other things that I've seen right um so so, yeah, that was a little bit of disappointment. that's also why I don't want to get ahead of myself and say, watch this that turns out it's absolute nonsense. Um, but did you see something that you liked?
0: Um, I am most of the way through the first season of the Apple TV show, mm. Truth Be Told. Right. Uh, and if for no other reason, watch it for the cast. Uh, Ron C. Jones is in that too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he got an overall deal with Apple TV. Uh, it's got Octavia Spencer and Tracy Toms mm. and Ron C. Fitz Jones and uh, Mekhi Pfeiffer is in it. Uh, Aaron Paul is in it. Mm. Um, Annabella Sciorra is in wow, it. Oh, I haven't seen her in Elizabeth a while. Perkins is in it. Mm. Like, the cast is... Funniest. Yes, I
1: appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that Elizabeth Perkins, for instance, is a good example of an actor I haven't seen in a while. And it's really good to be able to see... Uh, when I saw Homecoming, yeah. I was really kind of excited by the cast there. The very first season was um, Julia Roberts. And I hadn't seen her in a while and she was playing this very kind of down-to-earth, non-glamorous performance and you remember, oh, she can act. Right. Because if you saw Mary Riley, you'd think she couldn't. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's a great resource for seeing these actors who you don't get to see all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, this person really... Also, Lizzie Kaplan has twins. I'm just oh, saying. Yes, which is why I want to see it. Yeah. I get two Lizzie Kaplans for the price of one.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. It's... uh. So, so far,
0: much. it's been very good. As I said, I am six episodes into an eight-episode mm. right. first season. Uh, The second season ha- is a different... So, the premise is that... Something bad happens. Is that Octavia Spencer is a journalist who is mm-hmm. now doing a podcast very much in this serial vein. Mm-hmm. And she um, is revisiting uh, a case that she helped push public opinion on originally and maybe had the wrong person locked up in oh. prison. So that is sort of the push. It also it takes place in Oakland oh. and San Francisco to the point where she went to Walden Pond the other day. She, well, they did not show her at Walden Pond, but she's got a book for her friend, and he, she says, "I stopped by Walden Pond," and I was like, "What's up?" That's a real uh, yes. actual place in Oakland that Which you definitely I used, didn't I used go to work to. at, yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> that you used to work at. So I like, uh, I like shows that take right. place well, around here.
1: I, I like seeing more of them. Uh, we just finished the season of Train Spotting. Yes. Me, blind spotting. Blind spotting. And different. Uh, very different. It is very different. <sighs> and uh just like like the film you got to see locations in this case closer to our neighborhood, which is not good because it's not a flattering representation at times, but but yeah, yeah, it was really it was fun to watch. Oh.
0: And I'm, um apparently they are using so her father is was is or was the head of the of a black motorcycle gang in okay. Oakland which is a real thing that they that was used to inspire the the same series. I
1: don't
0: mm. it's a it's a I believe it is a oh, made up
1: name. made up name yeah because yeah. there was a black motorcycle gang here and I can't yes, remember which and one and it, it was, was inspired
0: by that right. group
1: uh so do you still see them around I still see them in the jackets. I just can't remember if it was the rats or the dragons or I can't...
0: And I mean, it has racial, you know, overtones going on with it. Um, It's Aaron Paul who is in prison. He's been Mm -hmm. in prison since he was 17 and now he is covered in white supremacist tattoos because when you go to prison and you're 17 and you're in San Quentin, the likelihood that you're not going to be part of a gang... Is very small and the way prisons are segregated is by race. That's just how our system is. So then it's, well, I'm not going to work for him. And and, and his mom's like, how dare you judge him for the, he had to survive. You made him this way. He was not a white supremacist before he went to prison. So, um, and then it's, you know his, she's a obviously a black woman and it's him getting flack on the inside of why are you talking to that right. black woman. they don't they haven't used the n word i'm pretty impressed Pre- probably not very accurate but mm. i'm grateful well, for it i don't mean a, it
1: <laughs> there's a point you know mm. uh, i um i remember at my weekend when i just sort of gave it all up where watching a series of older movies and seeing how rape was a plot point mm-hmm. in several movies I watched that weekend. I was watching stuff from the 60s and 70s. It's and exhausting. Going, I, I think, yeah, whether or not it's realistic, I, I don't need to see it. It's not... Especially when I'm watching things that were done for light entertainment. It's yes. It's like, yeah, I, I don't need to see that in my, you know, swashbuckler film. Oh, here's another rape attempt, and this woman's almost raped twice. because I remember watching... um. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And the whole climax of that film is an attempted rape that's played for laughs. Yeah. And it was just so jarring watching that going, holy cow, what were they thinking? And. It's hilarious. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm not. So, yes, there's
1: some things where. Even if it is unrealistic, it, we we can move past that. Yeah. Way.
0: So, this show's interesting. It's, like I said, I, I was on a little bit of a true crime kick, and this mm. is true crime without it being true. Right. Uh, which is kind of nice. Mm. So uh So, yeah. So, I'm enjoying Tooth Be Told, also on Apple TV. So, if you're watching this, you're seeing it. You're seeing right. it because it's in the same place. And I have a feeling I'm going to be watching a lot of things on Apple TV, There's so I will stuff, keep y'all actually.
1: posted on what's There's good and what isn't. really it. interesting
0: stuff there. Yeah. Uh, so, I think that brings us to the end. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next week, Blood Bowl. Blood Bowl. Seems
1: bad. No, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, in the meantime, you can find us uh, on Facebook by uh, searching for the Facebook... Er- Searching for the latecomers podcast. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or you can find us, you can email us uh, by emailing latecomerspod at gmail.com. I did that real clunky. So sorry, everyone. I'm not doing it again. Uh, until next week, I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you Stay that late than never. never.